Am I the only one that feels like SEO is some weird magical mystery that makes your website like a little pot of gold at the end of a key term rainbow? No, just me. Well, today, Brittany Herzberg is here to demystify that for us and share some more about how she uses case studies to both drive her content plan and drive more traffic to her website. Welcome to Big Fun Content, the show that helps you stand out from everyone else in your industry by building a brand you love and creating content that's impossible to ignore. I'm your host, Deanna Seymour, a graphic designer who creates high-energy visuals and short-form videos for some of the sassiest, boldest, most rebellious online businesses out there. Are you ready to up the fun in your content? Let's get started. Hey, Brittany, how's it going? What's up? I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you on. Okay, let's do a little background really fast. Okay. I met you in Jordan Gill's collab group, mm-hmm. and then we Voxer. Like you said, you would Voxer, and then I just went like full on weirdo on you. You did Voxer. not go weirdo. No, you're my people. Okay, well, we were both weird. So I'm just saying, to a normal person, our boxers were a little weird. And then I remember I was getting a pedicure. Mm -hmm. I mean, just even more background, if anybody wants to know, my husband had a kidney stone. And we woke up at like four in the morning and I had taken the emergency room and like, get childcare really fast. It was like a really stressful morning. Yeah. And after that, I was like, okay, mama needs a pedicure. And then I just remember sitting, getting my nails done and like, listening to all your boxers about case studies. And I was like, oh this whole new world. I was like, they're a little mermaid, a whole new world of case studies. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, you're coming on. Cause a lot of people know this. I don't really think SEO is real. I mean, I understand it's kind of real, but <laughs> I have a mixed, mixed feelings about SEO. Tell me more about that. I, I guess it's just a long game and I'm not patient. It's probably a yeah. more realistic thing to say. Like yeah. I, I get SEO. Okay. Hold on. Tell the people really fast who you are, a little bit of background about you. Obviously, this person named Brittany talks about SEO and case studies. And that's all we have. Give us a quick intro. I hopped right in. Sorry. No, I love it. And that's totally how I roll. So my name is Brittany Herzberg. I became a copywriter by way of massage therapy and the pandemic. We won't talk about that. Take a deep breath. It's fine. We're just not going to go there. But basically, I was at home. I'll give you like the short, longish version. So I was at home, really wanted to help people, missed my massage clients, also was trying to not sit there and twiddle my thumbs. I'm like, what is something that I can do that I've been needing to do that I quote, haven't had time to do? So I was like, updating my website. Yes, let's do this. I noticed that I had testimonials missing, but I was always talking to my clients and I was like, I know enough stuff, but also this gives me a nice excuse to reach out to them. So I reached out, said hi, asked everybody the same question, which was essentially like, what are you missing slash what are you looking forward to once we get back in the massage studio? And I took all of those, so I had them sign waivers and all that fun stuff and updated my website. Well, Around that same time, I was learning about this whole online world with like webinars and workshops and summits and all these things and podcasts. You would have thought I lived under a rock. And I discovered Marisa Corcoran's Copy Chat, which is an audio only summit. It's really wonderful. Anyway, within there, I was like, I'm a copywriter. I know how to do this and people will pay me for this. So I fully threw myself into learning like the techniques, the strategies, all of the stuff behind it. And started doing copywriting officially in 2021. Well, also that year, my boyfriend was launching his website for his business where he helps nonfiction authors. My friend Crystal was learning about SEO. 
So I was like, what is this thing? Like, I have to learn what this thing is. It feels like it's for big companies. It feels like it's expensive and really tricky and challenging. And like, you have to have the secret handshake to get in the door or whatever. So I I taught myself about it. And here we are now. I do SEO copywriting, case study copywriting, a lot of fun stuff. So that's how we ended up in this conversation. Okay. And we're going to talk mostly about the case studies Mm -hmm. because I think it's something really cool that a lot of people don't really utilize. I was saying before we hopped on the call, I don't have any, I mean, most of us have testimonials. Like that's Mm -hmm. a thing you have on your website. So, I mean, as a case study is just like, you're going to explain it better. (laughs) It's like a longer testimonial, right? Is it a testimonial that's also kind of like a story? What's a case study? Okay. So a case study, yes, all of the above. And something that I like to say to paint a picture is that a testimonial is like the movie trailer and the case study is the movie. So the case study is longer. It gives you the story. It gives you the background. It gives you more nuance. Like you're learning the person. You're getting to meet the business owner and and hear what's important to them. And actually even oftentimes learn a little bit about their frameworks or their methods, what's important to them, what they show their clients or students, whatever it may be. So yeah, it just, it gives you more. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. But you're also an important part of this. I feel like is that you do weave the SEO into it. Oh, yes. <laughs> Pretty much everything I touch. And this also really was inspired. Just it's how I operate. So I was doing this in massage therapy, too. I did massage cupping. I did trigger point massage therapy. I did craniosacral. The reason I'm saying all of this is because I would address the person in whatever state they were showing up in that day. Similarly to how I treat my projects, I'm going to throw the tools in there that make the most sense. And really, SEO fits pretty much everything. The only thing I haven't figured out how to weave it into is email sequences, <laughs> but I definitely throw it in case studies. And the reason being, it, I was also a straight A student and I was always taking advantage of like any extra credit, right? So extra credit for business owners is SEO. Like it's there. It makes you, it helps you get found online organically, naturally by the right fit client. So why would we not, you know, go ahead and try to throw those things in there and get found online easier? Okay, let me, I'm going to, this brought up a thing. Now I feel like we're going to fight. We're not going to be friends anymore. (laughs) Just kidding. This is what I don't like about SEO is Mm -hmm. that I like that you said treat it like extra credit. I think some people sort of use it as the driving force for their content. And then I feel like it can get weird because they're more concerned with talking about things that are keywords or like, you know what I mean? Like when it takes, when it's in the driver's seat, I think in my mind, I'm like, uh. Or maybe it's just my personality. I think it's boring if you let SEO drive your content. But I like the idea of like you're saying cherry on top instead of the main course. And really, I understand where you're coming from. And I'm totally going to talk to this because I agree with you. I actually agree with you with, with what I think might be at the heart of this. It's the cherry on top, I think. And it can be the driver too. But I, what I believe you might be talking at or noticing is that people are writing just for the robots. Mm -hmm. and they're forgetting to write for the people is that do you think that's accurate yeah I guess I think maybe I'm just I'm I feel like my content is a little more emotional and like Mm -hmm. very me centered like I'm very egotistical when it comes to my content (laughs) I'm like what do I think is funny what do I want to talk about like Mm -hmm. I'm about to write an email about watch what happens live that (laughs) is probably not something in SEO that's gonna like get me fat like I mean online business I don't know I get nervous like right now I put all my essay I call them essays but it's like my emails I put on my website and I don't really care about SEO because I just want to say what I want to say but 
I am sort of learning a little bit about SEO because everybody's talking about it. So I'm like, all right, let me just peek <laughs> over here and see what's up. So I do feel like my emails do relate back to business. So there probably is a keyword somewhere that I could use more like you were saying, like an extra credit and not like a me looking at keywords and deciding like, I'm going to write an email about content calendars. Mm -hmm. But if I write an email about watch what happens live and I segue into a content calendar, perhaps there's a keyword that could be sprinkled in a, in a H1 or H2. Yeah. And that's the whole thing that mean, that's the whole thing, right? You could, and this is another great point. You could have SEO as part of like earlier on in your process of writing your essay or your blog or your email, or you could look at it later on and you, you can totally do that. And what work might work, Wow. What might work well for someone like you who might have the same kind of thought process or the feelings about SEO is just have a keyword list. Like I could help you come up with a keyword list and then you can figure out after you write something like, oh, this makes sense. I can put this in here. This is where this goes. And this is actually how I developed my SEO basics checklist. I was trying to figure out what are the things I need to pop in every single page, every single blog post, whatever, case study, sales page, so that this can be found online organically. So I have this checklist and I just make sure all those things are filled out. You could do that at the end. You could do that at the beginning. And you're not going to sacrifice your personality or making the jokes you want to make or talking about the things you want to talk about. It's just like you said, it for you, it would be more of the cherry on top. Does, yeah. Does that... Ease your mind up. Yeah, all. yeah, yeah. It does. I'm like <laughs> dipping my toe in the mm-hmm. SEO world. Lots it's not of people so scary. In the online business space that I love and respect, talk a lot good stuff about SEO. Emily Aborn, Erin Alilla, like y'all love some mm-hmm. SEO. And I'm like, okay, well, I love these people and they love SEO. So maybe I don't hate it, but I'm a little like leery of it. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about. I want to talk more also about the case studies. So obviously you kind of weave SEO through everything that you do, but I do want to dive into case studies. But before we do that, I want to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're going to dive into how you do these case studies. One way I boost my SEO is by posting my weekly emails to my blog and calling them essays, a sneaky little repurposing in the works. But I really love my emails. So it's a fun way to share them with the world instead of just keeping them hidden in people's inboxes. Go to DeannaSeymour.com slash essays to see how I work this magic. And while you're there, sign up to have them delivered to your inbox each week. I mean, they're super fun. Okay, so let's dive into this whole case study thing. Yes. I want to know. I feel like right now I just ask people questions. Like I throw out a few questions, Mm -hmm. get them to give me some answers. Sometimes I will weave it together, like get some approval to be like, okay, I mashed this all together. Sometimes to be nice, I'm like, just ramble at me on Voxer and I'll transcribe it and like do it for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because sometimes I feel guilty and maybe you can speak to this. Like you feel like you're bugging people when you ask for a testimonial sometimes. Right. I should Mm -hmm. make it part of my workflow. So it's a little more like I just redid my website. And so I feel like I was going back to clients where I'm like, I never got a testimonial from her. And it feels weird because you're like, hey, remember when I did your nine good like (laughs) a year ago? Can can you talk about that? Right. Um, So tell me how you do this whole case study thing because I'm into it. Yeah, I will tell you, I will jump into case studies, but I'll keep it at testimonials for a hot second just because okay. I love talking about this. And for me, it's just super duper natural, natural. I really can't talk today. It's natural for me to, you can keep in the bloopers. I think they're funny as heck. Um, I work in asking people questions all the time. And for me, it's it just 
comes naturally. It's just part of conversation. I'm always listening. Like I always have my ears turned on kind of for like the testimonial blips or whatever. And so oftentimes I don't even have to pose a question to someone. I can just listen in and then maybe I'll have like a follow-up question or something. But for anyone who is maybe relating to you and they're like, this feels really weird and I don't know how and when and where and why to ask people these things. There's a few different things that I like to, to remind people of. For sure, put it in the workflow. You can put stuff at the beginning. And the things I like to capture at the beginning are like, how did this person find me? Why did they want to work with me? What were they looking for when they found me? Things of that nature. You don't have to hit them with you know 21 questions, but like maybe finding one or two that you really are curious about. And maybe it depends on that person and their situation and their story and what's going on. Um, so at the beginning and then at the end is another common place to put this and capture more of that language. Once the project has wrapped, I mean, I have a workflow and it's built in to send the day after the project wraps. But like yesterday, I have this client who I love her. I love her. It's a therapist. Like I'm enjoying working with her and the project just wrapped. But I noticed that I would send something to her. I would send her the deliverable and then there would be like a two or three day delay. So I just went ahead and like sent the final everything. And then I'm like, oh, by the way, I'm going to send you the survey like it's going to be in there. I'm not trying to throw a bunch of things at you. She's like, oh, this is great because I can go in and knock it out all at once. So build it into your workflow. Be listening for things really throughout the process, but definitely beginning and end if you can, if nothing else, just the end. And then the different ways you can capture things are go with a little hanging fruit. If you feel awkward about this, still get screenshots. Just make sure there's no name, no photo, no identifying information. Get a, you know, an Instagram DM snapshot, get a text message snapshot, get a picture of something from an email that somebody wrote to you and black out stuff if you need to. That is like your lowest hanging fruit. Then you can go up to like sending out surveys with a few questions. I actually have something that I created because it was so simple. It was like fill in the blank or finish the sentence kind of thing. And people love it because they're done with it in like three minutes or less. Mm -hmm. um, and then you can also go to Voxer, ask people questions. I have clients that love that. I have people who really do like being on video. So we'll schedule a video call. But going along with like match, match the way you ask people with what you notice they like to do. If okay. someone loves talking, get them on Voxer. If someone loves writing, ask them in a couple questions in an email or something. So before I jump into case studies, <laughs> any follow-ups for that stuff? <laughs> no, I was just going to say for people listening, I do a lot of screenshots just for myself. I have a little folder called like compliments yeah. on my desktop. So if I'm ever that. feeling like, oh my God, I suck, like I can yeah. read it and be like, oh my gosh, look at this person wrote, but replied to an email and was like, oh my God, I love your emails. And it's just like, a nice little folder, but it was also a place I went when I was doing my redo on my website to be like, Whoa, what do I have in that compliments folder that I could like sprinkle around to be like, look how much people love me. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I love that. And I have one myself. It, it cheers you up on a, on a crappy day, but it's also like great for social posts. If you're like looking for something to talk about there, if you're looking for content ideas, or if you're looking for something to, to shove on your website to be like, Hey, yeah. I'm kind of cool. I know what I I'm know. doing. Well, hashtag humble brag. Here we come. <laughs> yes. I, I love, love that. Okay. Cool. So those are all good tips. I like the idea of going with their like favorite mode of communication because that mm -hmm. just makes it easier for them. And, mm -hmm. and probably you'll get the best testimonials from the people, like the more thorough. Yeah. Ones. Yeah. But I feel like the case study is like the granddaddy of a thorough testimonial. It is like the mother Or grandmama. <laughs> Whoever, the mother, the mother load. Like There's I was like, like, why is it a boy? Why is it a granddaddy? <laughs> Rude, patriarchy. It can be whatever it wants to be, honestly. <laughs> no, so it is like the the big kahuna of like all of all of the social proof. And 
the reason is because it gives that nuance. It gives the whole story. You get to know the person who is like the case study subject, which I hate saying that because it makes it sound like not a person, but you get to know that person. And then you get to know the person who is the business owner, the coach, the whatever service provider. So how I write these things, my my process is that it always starts with some kind of interview, a video or audio interview. That is typically what my clients bring to me. Sometimes I do the interviews. I love interviewing. I love talking to people. I mean, in case that wasn't obviously clear, abundantly clear, I love it. So it starts with some kind of interview. I listen or watch, listen to or watch that, make notes. I'm pulling quotes the whole time. After I get done with that, which I, by the way, I give the quotes to my clients as well, especially if there's a lot of good ones. It's really fun. It's like, oh my gosh, did you know they said this and they said this and they like this thing? Similar to those like compliment folders. It's just nice to hear that. Yeah, totally. So once I get done doing the quotes, then I map out what I call the story arc. And this is my pet framework. So, which I love. And I always put like the paw prints around it. It stands for P is for problem, which basically is like, where were they at before? What was the before like? Why did they come to you? Why did they want to work with you? And then E is the experience. It's the during. What was the actual process like? What were things they liked? What can we pull out to highlight about like your framework or your method or just something that you want to bring to the forefront of like the type of client you like working with or something that's really important to you, a value you want to highlight. And then the T is the transformation. The internal transformations, those emotional ones, as well as the quote unquote external transformations, which is like I signed up 20 people for my whatever, or I hit my six figure first six figure launch or whatever it may be, those more measurable things. So that is more of like the after. So we got before, during, after. At that point, I stop. (laughs) I send the story arc to my client for approval because I have learned my lesson. I am not going to go past that mark before I start writing. If there's anything that needs to be modified or they're like, I don't really want to highlight this or, oh, could we swap this for this thing? I make that change. And then I do the SEO research. So I am really mindful of what was being talked about in this story and what is the thing that someone would be typing into a Google search bar where they might want to see this as, you know, an article pop up. Mm -hmm. So I do that and then I come up with a strategy for that page and from there, I, I write the case study draft, and then I send that to my copy editor, and then I send the copy edited version to the client. I ask them for specific types of feedback. I'm like, this is what's really helpful. This is what I'm looking for. And then I make any modifications, and then they get the final copy, and it's theirs. And I don't do web page design. I've learned my lesson there as well. <laughs> so I give them the copy, and then I can either coordinate with their web designer, or if they're the ones making the page, like it's usually pretty cut and copy and paste and cut and dry kind of thing. Well, let me ask you this. Do you, as me, of course I'm asking (laughs) it as me. I'm like, not my alter ego right now. I'm me. What about visuals? Do you include visuals in your case studies? Oh, this is a good question. So I do, um, I'm pausing because I had a couple of clients where they were on our podcast or they were friends of mine. And so I had their images. So what I did was when I was drafting out the copy in Google Docs, I added in their image and would, you know, suggest that it go in this area i mean if you're introducing a person like if you're saying like by the way hi i'm Brittany. i do blah 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 this is what i'm known for it's pretty understandable that that image is going to go there um if i didn't have an image though i would make suggestions throughout the doc and it's worth noting that on the seo strategy sheet i do give anywhere from five to ten different image title ideas that incorporate that keyword as well as names, program names, anything where it makes sense where that image might show up in a search. Yeah, because obviously I'm like, 
the queen of visual. <laughs> I just gave myself that title. Yes, I did. Whatever. I love it. I'm here for it. Um, I just think that I talked earlier about how I don't like SEO, but mm-hmm. that is one thing that usually I'm pretty good at is mm-hmm. naming my images. Honestly, I don't do keyword research, so maybe I just have like a pinky toe in the <laughs> SEO world, but I try to name them something that I feel like maybe people are looking for. Of course, I have no data to back that up. <laughs> it's just my gut. I love but it. I do think that that is also something that would, I think, bring it like even more to life, right? Like, oh, totally. Case studies are about storytelling. And I'm always like, hello, y'all, pictures worth a thousand words. So mm-hmm. adding some visuals. And of course, my work is very visual. So it's really easy for me. If I did a case study, I would have examples of what I created for the client. Yeah. So I was trying to think like, if they were a coach or if they were a copywriter, even like there's not necessarily visuals to go with it, but there could be some fun ideas mm-hmm. to sprinkle in some visuals. So oh, you, you could do it for copywriting even because like I've taken, I just rewrote three pages, three core pages of my website. And I took like a PDF snapshot before. So like I have a mm-hmm. MacBook and I can do the PDF. So you could have that and you could yeah. compare it. And then yeah. for someone who does like web design or is a graphic designer or whatever it may be, that's very easy to have like, here's what the logo looked like before and here's where we're at now. So you can get creative. The other thing is I've written some case studies for people where they created a deliverable, like a quiz, and they would have the data of like how many people went through the quiz or things like that. So you can have the screenshots even of that too. Yeah, like a table or something. Yeah, yes. anything visual. Or even like a screenshot of the quiz, like what it yeah. looks like on the website. I love all that. And yeah. that is another opportunity to sprinkle in SEO. It is. And I wanted to mention that's like the place that people leave till the end. People kind of forget the images. So I was really impressed that you said that you really do focus on them because those can show up in searches. If you've ever, if you listening, have ever gone to like the Google results page, you'll notice there's like all images, videos, da, 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 da. So yeah. images and have, I think one, one or two, there may be more images that show up for healthcare copywriter okay. because that was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, I think I forget the stats because that's not my thing. No one <laughs> stats, but there was an impressive stat that was about how many people use Google Images to search. Like oh. I do, but I'm a very visual person, mm-hmm. so I oftentimes will just click on the tab for images because I just feel like my brain likes that, and then I pick what I want to look at, and then it will click over to the website based on the images. But that's just because I'm a visual person. That is really cool. Um, let me, I'm going to Google it. I don't care that we're like live on a podcast. Let's see how many people search Google images. I just I don't know. Is that what I stat. should say? I mean, see, this is SEO research um, in real time, people. Keyword research. Google search stats so that, okay, 10% of Google traffic is for Google images. I don't know if that's impressive or not. I mean, it's noteworthy because you're clearly not the only one that's doing it. And it's an opportunity. Yeah. And they say 1 billion people use Google images daily. So billion. That's interesting. So I do know, this is a stat that I looked up, 3.5 billion searches happen every day on Google. So a third of those are images. That sounds more impressive. Don't worry about that. We're going to just share the numbers that fit our narrative. Just kidding. I mean, people look at, if I'm doing it, like you said, more people. You're not the only one. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also like some images pop up at the top of the search anyway. So if you can get in that top five or six that are across the top mm-hmm. then you're golden you're golden Which, especially for like products and things like that or even if you have digital products i mean you've got opportunities yes for mm-hmm. sure so also it makes sense too and i feel like the way you talked about your case study is you write the case study then you look at the keywords that can fit into it which i'm assuming are also 
usually probably related to the person's offer. So for me, if you wrote a case study on somebody that I did a static nine grid for, mm -hmm. you would be looking at like someone who's trying to research like posting less on Instagram or like, I don't know, yeah. I'm making up, again, making up, <laughs> completely making up SEO strategy. <laughs> no, but, um, right. So you would write the case study and then you would figure out like, what could people be searching that this would be an answer for? You that could do it that way. I like okay. doing it the opposite way. So I'm okay. thinking of it more, I'm like front loading it with SEO. But okay. you could totally look at it like once it's written, where can I add things in? So okay. it's just whatever works for you, for your brain. But for it, your I mean, situation. obviously, yeah, but it has to be related. Like, really? like yeah. this is why I don't like SEO because I'm like, well, obviously, it still would have to be related to whatever the person does. Like, yeah. Obviously. <laughs> I'm like, wait, that's related. totally obvious. <laughs> you want it related to that. And I, when I'm listening to that interview, I'm really thinking through, like, my brain is always on. So I'm very much thinking through, okay this is their journey. This is the problem that they had. This is the solution they wanted. Here are some of the wins they had. Like if I were looking for something like that, what am I going to be typing into the search bar? So I actually will like go old school and I'll put pen to paper and I'll jot out some ideas as I'm listening. And then I go in and actually test my hypothesis by doing these Google searches and using the tools that I have to see like, what is the search volume? Are people actually looking for this? Are too many quote unquote people looking for this? Because we don't want to be, uh, I think massage therapy, I'm just going to make up a number. Let's say it has like 44,000 searches on average each month. I don't want to just say massage therapy because I'm going to be the teeniest, tiniest little fish in a massive pond and no one's going to find me. They say, I think the joke is like the best place to bury a body is on page two of Google searches. So you want to end up on the first page. You want to end up on the first page of something that your really warm leads are searching. The best way to do that is to aim for something that's got even a lower search volume, even if it shows up as like zero people are searching this, that's not necessarily true. And there is a stat. And of course, I can't remember it at this moment. So many searches each day on Google are being searched for the very first time. So if you mm -hmm. hypothesize something and you test it out on the Google search, and I may be talking in circles or talking above people's heads. So if I am like, pull me back down in a minute. But if you're doing the search and it's coming up with a search volume of zero, that's okay. You could still totally go for that because your people who are, have a very specific set of like, these things are going on in their life. This is where they're stuck. This is the help they want. This is the help they need. This is the price point, blah, blah, blah. It's very likely that they would be putting that in the search and then you're able to show up for that. Yeah. So like good, lead the path, right? Zero, like get hype and get be, hype. For, be yeah. like hashtag first. Opportunity here again. Google search. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. I'm if, like hype about zeros. I yeah. Like that. And then the other thing too is like, I mean, that would obviously make you a very, very big fish in a very, very tiny pond. And again, that's great. Like the people only are fish. Like, There's not even a pond. Fish. You're so big. You are that goldfish fish. in like the mass. That, yeah. In the puddle that's like five feet long. Anyway. So. I just think through and all SEO keyword research starts with talking to your people. So mm. I'm really glad that we talked about the testimonials and, and going and doing that market research because that is it's so important to me because your people are going to say things better than you could ever hope to. Well, that's what I was thinking about your process of talking about the problem first in the pet <laughs> process, which I love. Um, I should be like, Ruff! I'm more of a dog person. I don't know why I'm but, but I have a dog right now. So yeah. <laughs> But I'm assuming, because I mean, I guess maybe because of Ask Jeeves, because I'm old, oh, gosh, I yeah. often like ask Google a question. Mm -hmm. I think people do that. Oh, yeah, they maybe do. Maybe just me. Okay. Not a one. So, okay. <laughs> so those are the kinds of questions that could also start to figure out your key keyword research. I'm like, what's the thing? SEO keyword research. Yeah. 
based on what their problem was. Because usually I think people are like, obviously trying to solve a problem. Yeah, they are typically. And again, there's a stat on that and I don't have it handy at the moment. I haven't memorized it yet, but there is a stat about the types of searches that people do and how to is definitely a top one. Um, Now my brain is going to like headlines, but if you want to put something that's like attention grabbing for a headline, numbers are great. Um, Mm -hmm. Like five ways to, you know, three three things to know when you're whatever. Which I'm always curious about. Mm -hmm. Do people type in? They want to know five ways to do something or oh, that's this is just a Google point. likes it. Google likes it and people okay. like it because when they see it in the search results, no, to answer you, they're not typically typing in like three ways to five ways to <laughs> they whatever. They only want five. They like, only don't want five. try to give me 10 don't ways give me 10. to do content. I'm not going to look like, at it. No, it's, only it's, <laughs> it's just that the number is appealing. The number mm. definitely grabs our attention. It's like, wait, what? There's five things because our brains just like to organize things. So if we see a number or if we see something like that, it's like, oh, that's going to be easy. Let me go look at that. But no, they're not really typing in the number. And typically, I mean, I don't. Maybe okay. people do. I was like, wondering about that. So. No. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> well, this thing was chocked full of so much information. Oh, yeah. I love it. I love that you, you're you like breaking down my wall slowly because now we're like doing humans, interaction, and it. stories. And we're letting SEO come Progress. I will allow it. I will allow it, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. My son started saying babies and gentlemen. Oh so my gosh, I think so that's cute. really cute. I will allow it. Babies and gentlemen. Just kidding. And cool. cats and dogs. And cats and or birds, fish, whatever you have. The pet, Horses. whatever pet. Yeah. Hedgehogs. 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 Chipmunks. There's one outside my window right now. Yeah, oh. no, that's great. My husband gets so mad. It's like a Chevy Chase movie with chipmunks in our yard. He gets so mad. Oh, they are really cute, but. So cute. Don't try to tell Matt that. He's not trying to hear it. It's, he wants to get a slingshot, which no. is really mean, but also, like, I think they're safe. If he gets a slingshot, I think it's going to be fine. They have all the chips. I'm like, knock yourself out. I think they're pretty quick, and I don't think you're that skilled in <laughs> Anyways, what a way to wrap this up. I mean, okay. This was amazing. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. All right. We will talk soon. Bye. Want to connect with Brittany? Head over to BrittanyHersberg.com. B-R-I-T-T-A-N-Y-H-E-R-Z-B-E-R-G.com. Or find her over on Instagram and LinkedIn. And if you want to learn more about SEO, check out our podcast, The Simple and Smart SEO Show, wherever you're listening to this right now. And as always, all the links will be in the show notes. Backlinks, y'all. Thanks for listening to Big Fun Content. If you like what you heard today, think about pushing that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Also, I would love it if you would leave me a review so more people could find me. Wink, wink.